Suddenly, my relaxed feeling switched to panic. What am I doing in this casket? I tried pushing up on the lid, but it wouldn't open. It was almost as if someone was holding it down on me. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is my paranormal story. Before I start this episode, I just want to thank you for listening. Remember, if you've bought t-shirts or coffee mugs from my website, myparanormalstory.com, be sure to send me a selfie with your swag so I can post it on Facebook or Instagram. And don't forget, everything you buy on the website helps keep this podcast running. So thank you so much for your support. Have you ever seen a dead body? Like, up close? Probably at a funeral, right? But have you ever actually carried a dead body? Maybe if you were a policeman, fireman, or paramedic. Maybe if you were in the military or worked in a hospital. But most regular people can probably say they've never had a dead person in their arms before. Well, nothing in my life is ever normal. And one day, while running an errand with a friend, I never expected to be holding the body of a deceased little boy in my arms. As I've mentioned in past episodes, I spent a lot of my weekends in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, where I would stay with my father. My dad lived in a small two-bedroom apartment in a decent section of the town, And I would spend a lot of my time with my friends who lived in that neighborhood. They all went to school together and grew up together. And they were all nice enough to include me in their group whenever I would show up on the weekends. And one of my weekend friends was Mark. Mark was a good guy. He came from a nice family. They lived a block or two from my dad's house. Mark's family had a modest but beautiful house that just happened to be attached to a funeral home. That was their family business for a couple of generations. And once Mark was old enough, he would help out with different tasks related to the funeral home. One day as I arrived at my dad's house, Mark came by and asked me if I wanted to go for a ride. We were about 17 or 18 at the time and Mark needed to run an errand for the funeral home in Pawtucket, Rhode Island. Knowing that that was where I grew up and lived, he thought I would know my way around town better than him, so he asked me if I'd go with him and show him directions to where he was going. We hopped into his black station wagon. You know, the kind you see near the front of a funeral procession. We headed off on the highway, and he told me he needed to pick something up at a specific funeral home on Broadway in Pawtucket. He told me it's a cadaver. More specifically, it was a deceased little boy. He wanted to know if that was going to make me uncomfortable. Honestly, I wasn't sure what to say. But he told me don't worry about it. The boy will be in a small casket in the back of the station wagon, and you won't even have to see it. He told me as far as he knew, the boy had died from complications while in the hospital. 
and that the funeral home was near the hospital, and they were holding the boy until it could be transported to Woonsocket, which was where the family wanted to have the funeral. Seemed like a strange way to spend a Saturday afternoon, but I wanted to help him out. When we arrived at the funeral home, we went inside and the funeral director introduced himself and brought us into his office where Mark had to sign some papers. And then he led us down a set of stairs into what looked like a morgue. I was standing outside the door, but I could clearly see into the room and on the metal table, there was the little boy. He was covered by a tiny blue sheet just up to his neck. I could still see his blonde hair sticking out. His face was grayish white, and he looked peaceful, almost like he was just a boy sleeping. The funeral director opened a side door in the hallway and told Mark to bring the station wagon around. After he backed up to the door, he got out and removed a small wooden casket from the back. It wasn't a fancy casket or anything. It was more like a plain wooden coffin. He brought the casket into the morgue room and he and the director tried to put the body of the little boy into the box. But it turned out the box was too small. The funeral director looked around but he couldn't find any caskets that we could take. So the two of them debated for a few minutes as to what they could do. There wasn't enough time to go all the way back to Woonsocket and come back again. So Mark decided we would just wrap the boy up in a sheet and lay him down in the back of the station wagon. The thought of that seemed a bit morbid, even a touch disrespectful, but they couldn't really think of anything else to do. So Mark picked up the boy, wrapped him in the sheet, and carried him out to the station wagon. Before he could put him into the back of the car, the funeral director rushed out and said, wait, here's a blanket. And before I knew what was happening, Mark had turned around and handed the boy off to me. And I just stood there a bit shocked, cradling this little boy's limp body in my arms. It kind of felt sad, but surreal. Mark laid out the blanket in the back of the station wagon and eventually turned to me, and took the boy, placed him in the back. He tucked the blanket around him and then covered him up. And then we both got into the front of the car and headed back to Woonsocket. I know that's not much of a paranormal story, but I thought it was a good lead-in to what happened at Mark's funeral home. Now, living in a funeral home it's got to be a strange feeling. But not for Mark. For him, it was all he's ever known. His family has lived in the house attached to the funeral home his whole life. So to him, it was no big deal knowing that there were dead bodies just a few rooms away from his. And when we were kids, there was nothing more fun than hanging around in the funeral home. When his parents weren't home, we'd sneak over to the funeral home side and go exploring, or play games like hide-and-seek. The funeral home was pretty big, and it had a few large rooms on the main floor where families would have wakes and services for their loved ones. 
and off the main hallway there was a small office where Mark's dad would do his work, and then a couple of small waiting rooms. In the back there was a room with about a half dozen or so fancy caskets on display for sale. And then downstairs, on the basement level, that's where things looked a bit more spooky. You could get down there by walking down a squeaky metal circular staircase, or you could take the small elevator. In the basement, the floors were cement, and the walls in the small hallway had wood paneling on them. A couple of the rooms were used for storage, but on the other side of the hallway was a small room. It was a morgue room, kind of like you'd see on TV. Everything looked metal. The table in the middle of the room, the countertops, the cabinets. It had strange fluorescent lights on the ceiling, and lots of tools, things they would use to, you know, make up the bodies for the funeral. Now I'm guessing not too many kids get to play hide-and-seek in a funeral home. I'm not sure many would want to. But for us, it was the coolest thing in the world. So many rooms, so many places to hide. Until one night, when our hide-and-seek game got a little bit spooky. It was a rainy Saturday night. Mark's parents were out, so the three of us headed into the funeral home for some hide-and-seek. It was Mark, myself, and our other friend, Andy. We made our way down the hallway into the main office. We decided that Mark and Andy were going to be the first hiders, and I was going to be the seeker, thanks to a bad round of rock, paper, scissors. I sat with my head down on the desk and began counting slowly to a hundred. And as I counted, I tried listening for little hints about which direction each of them went in. I tried to focus on their footsteps and any other sounds I could hear, like doors opening or floors creaking. Once I reached 100, I yelled, ready or not, here I come. and started making my way through the funeral home. It was mostly dark, aside from a few windows letting in the glow of street lights. My first intuition was to search downstairs in the basement. While I was counting, I swore I could have heard one of them walking down that winding metal staircase. So I made my way downstairs, and suddenly I heard a couple of small bangs. It sounded like someone banged into something metal. So I quietly walked into the morgue and looked around. Now just about everything in there is metal, so I wasn't sure where to look. But then I noticed one of the doors to the cooler wasn't closed all the way. You know, the cooler where the bodies are kept. Both doors were closed, but the one on the bottom wasn't latched. I thought to myself, one of them crazy enough to slide in there to hide? What if I open it up and there's a dead body in there? So I stood there hesitating at the notion. Then suddenly I heard another bang, a metal bang. And it 
was definitely coming from the cooler. So I slouched down so I could see inside and swung the door open and yelled, Gotcha! But nobody was in there. It was empty. All I could see was the four metal walls and the little table that slides out. I hope he's not in the top one and it's latched. Maybe he's trying to get out. So I pulled on the handle and clicked it open, swung it open quickly and looked inside. But that one was empty too, just like the bottom one. I ended up finding Mark in a linen closet in the main hallway upstairs. And Andy was hiding behind a couch in one of the parlors. Neither one of them were anywhere near the morgue. For the next round, I got to be one of the guys who got to go hide. I decided to stay upstairs. I didn't want to hear any more metal bangs. I quietly but quickly tiptoed my way into the main room, the parlor, where the wakes are usually held. There were no chairs or anything set up, but there was a casket on a stand at the front of the room, and I thought about hiding behind it. But as I got closer to it, I noticed that it looked like there was a body inside. You can see an old woman laying in the casket. She had her hands on her chest, holding a rosary, and her hair and her makeup was all done up. For some reason, I reached in and straightened out the rosary that she was holding. And then I just stood there, staring at her for a moment, thinking to myself, how lonely it must be to be stuck lying in a box in a funeral home, just waiting for people to come out and mourn you. For some reason, maybe out of respect, I decided not to hide behind the old lady's casket. But I could hear Mark getting closer to a hundred, so I darted off into the display room where all the empty caskets were set up. I quickly jumped into one and closed the lid. Now all of a sudden, I was the one lying in a casket, waiting. It was the strangest feeling being in there, too. The interior was soft and kind of velvety, but there wasn't much cushioning. And with the cover closed, it was pitch dark. I mean, I couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. And surprisingly, I couldn't hear anything either. I don't know if it's because the casket was thick and sound couldn't get through, or if I was just in some sort of a trance. I should have felt claustrophobic lying in that box, but I wasn't. I was strangely relaxed. I could almost feel myself drifting off into like a a dreamlike state. I laid there thinking to myself, how long have I been in here? Why hasn't anyone found me yet? And suddenly my relaxed feeling switched to panic. I needed to get out of this box. So I pushed up on the lid, but it wouldn't open. 
I was able to get it to lift up like an inch or two, but then it would close back down on me. Like it was almost as if someone was trying to hold me inside there. And the harder I pushed, the harder it pushed back. And that's when the panic set in. I could feel myself having a, a hard time breathing. I thought to myself, maybe it's my friends. And I yelled, let me out, let me out. And then finally, with one more huge push, I was able to get the lid open. And suddenly the whole casket just came crashing down off the stand. Both Mark and Andy came running into the room. I asked the guys if we could take a break, and we all went and sat in Mark's dad's office. I grabbed some water from the fountain, and I asked Mark if the caskets have locks on them. And he kind of laughed. No, why would they need locks? It turned out neither one of them had been holding it down. I told him, huh, I should have just hid in the parlor near the old lady. It would have been less scary. And Mark was like, what old lady? The three of us ran into the parlor and up to the casket at the front of the room. And as we looked inside, the old lady was gone. My Paranormal Story is written, produced, and narrated by me, Tom Stewart. Music from this episode, courtesy of Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. If you enjoy my stories and would like to support the podcast, you can go to buymeacoffee.com slash myparanormal, or just click on the donate button on my website at myparanormalstory.com. I also have t-shirts and coffee mugs for sale. Unfortunately, podcasts cost money and your support helps me keep this podcast running. So thank you for your support. Please don't forget to subscribe so you'll know when I've added new episodes and feel free to follow me on Facebook and Instagram. Just search for My Paranormal Story. If you have a podcast and you'd like to have me as a guest or if you'd like to ask me a question or tell me your paranormal story, you can email me at myparanormalstorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. I'm Tom Stewart, and this is My Paranormal Story. When you drive the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power, you can stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see yourself behind the wheel of the brand ranked number one in dependability by J.D. Power. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Kia received the fewest reported problems among all brands in the J.D. Power 2022 U.S. Vehicle Dependability Study based on 2019 models. See JDPower.com awards for 2022 details.